starting out with applause. Welcome, everybody, to Outside the Huddle. I am your host, Dr. O.T. Porter, the NGFFL's Director of Communications, and I am communicating directly with you from my home here in Houston, Texas, and I am super excited about tonight's show. Um, Each episode of Outside the Huddle features the individuals who compete with the many obstacles necessary to overcome that which allows us to connect and unite both on and off the field of play, and that's what makes our NGFFL family so unique. So tonight we are going to hear from one of our city leaders from the city of Houston, uh, the commissioner, but this is a superbly special episode for me because not only is this individual the commissioner of the Houston League and a national ref, he is also my husband. So this will be fun to uh, get a little peek inside of his head about all things football. Not that I don't get enough of that. But let's welcome to the show Dr. Chad Porter-Fisher. Dr. Chad Porter-Fisher, welcome to Outside the Huddle. Well, thank you, Dr. Porter. It's a pleasure to be here. Good. I'm glad to share my Good. story. I'm gl- yes, I'm glad that you were able to uh, – step up and fill in um, for the people who made some promises they didn't keep. Yeah, I'm still shady. (laughs) Nonetheless, what I want to do is just jump right in so that we can get to talking about what people really care to know about and outside of our personal relationship. So, yeah, that's what people want to know about. about, They're not going to get that tonight. That is probably (laughs) more interesting, but I mean, this is, this is about football. So, Let's jump right in. When did you officially join the uh, NGFFL with the Panthers? So I was um, living in Lansing, Michigan, in the middle of nowhere in NGFFL world. Um, The nearest uh, place for me to to join a football league was in um, in the Detroit area, Detroit, Ann Arbor. And I met a guy. Uh, on realjock.com. I was just looking for something to get involved with. I wasn't really finding anybody that I really matched with um, around Lansing. No one really that I clicked with. Uh, I didn't really feel a part of the community at all. So I was just looking for something else. So I was looking for some, you know, some guys who were into sports. So I just went on realjock.com and I only talked to one guy on there ever the whole time. And that man was Leron Copeland, who was at the time the head of the (laughs) Michigan Panthers, and he was, of course, recruiting as Leron does, um, just talking to me about football, and we talked for over a year. He was just trying to get me to come. It's not that far of a drive. We practiced like 45 minutes from your house, um, and I was like, no, that's too far, and now living in Houston, 45 minutes is nothing, but back then, 45 minutes was a long <laughs> <Right>. ways to drive, <laughs> um, so I wouldn't go, so finally... Um, I got a job in the Detroit area and was down there quite a bit, so I decided to check this out. So I went to my first practice, and I got um, a taste of what they were doing. That that was before they had a league and in that area. We just had a travel team, so I started practicing then. How long ago was that? That was about Oh, I'm sorry. That was 2009. Okay, so you've been a part of the NGFFL family for almost a decade. Yes, yes, I have. 
Wow. And my first, okay. the first so, event I went to was Chicago Pride Pride Bowl in 2009, and had a terrible okay. experience. But we uh, yeah. can get to that later. But <laughs> <laughs> those Chicago tournaments are brutal, though. It is that is tough. They party hard in Chicago. They have so many games. You have to be prepared when you go to Chicago. Yeah. So I understand yeah. that that the first tournament possibly was tough. So take me to the moment where you knew you wanted to be or take on a leadership role in Michigan, because I know you had a leadership role there before you came to Houston. Tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, I was involved with the league. I, I left actually after that Chicago tournament, I had a terrible experience and not because of the brutality of the, the play. It was, we just had a rough go of it, and I don't want to get into all the details, but one of our guys was in jail. Another one went to the hospital. Um, some guys got tased. One of our, our starting quarterback died on uh, that weekend. Oh I mean, it was just it was a, just a horrible experience. So much happened, and there was um, a lot going on. So I was like, I'm not sure if I need this level of um, intensity in my life. Um, so I took, I didn't go to, to the, I think, um, Gable was in BC that year, I think. I didn't do that. But then I came back because I just had a really good time and then the guys were just really, really fun to be around. And so I just started hanging once around more. I went to some more tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> once I got in jail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, it was only one guy, but still. Um, so I just had a really, really, really positive experience, and they just welcomed me with open arms. Um, every guy out there just, I felt like this was home. I felt like this is a family, and I really wanted to, to do what I could to expand it. And so we started to develop a league, um, and Lederon was really, really big with that. Uh, Paul Nettles was also huge in helping to make that league happen. Um, Jacks. Um, myself um there's a couple other guys too that really made made a big impact there um, but we just really wanted to see other people experience what we got to experience so mm-hmm. i would get people to come i would I, I actually brought two whole teams almost by myself um to the league oh, we grew right. up to a, a league of <laughs> yeah i gotta put it out there sometimes um but we had we ended up with a league of like eight, and I and I wasn't even on the board at that time. Uh, I was just really trying to to build into it, and I, I they asked me to to be a part of it, and I and I would always do what I could, but I was working on my dissertation, and you know how that is. It's just you just don't have the extra time um, to spend, on, you know, to be a board member. But you know, I was still doing whatever I could to really be a leader in the area. So. Um, I did what I could, and then after I I graduated or I got a little more free time, um, I got to a place on my dissertation where I could take the leadership role, and then I started um, or I became a board member, and I just I just loved being a part of making the decisions and helping people um, feel a part of the league and and really try to do what we could to build it. Yeah, uh, and you guys did a great job there in Michigan because Michigan was one of those teams that was sort of, I mean, not teams, but just overall leagues, teams that was always sort of on the cusp. And I know that you were integral in helping push them back in the right direction so that their league was sustainable. What efforts did you have to make to see that happen? 
yeah, that was it was uh it was some really, really fun times and then there was some struggles. There was some times when we had some players that just were kind of cancerous to the organization and <clears throat> we had to um really kind of step away from some people and some people were trying to push the league in a direction we didn't want to go and we had some people on the field um that weren't really um about our mission weren't, weren't really supporting our mission um heard the word faggot one time out there which was absolutely uh, you know on uncalled for i can never have that in an lgbt unacceptable field unacceptable for sure um, so we just had to, to go through some some really painful stuff of really trying to pull away from certain people. I mean, I'd go try to recruit at a bar, and people would ask me, is this person still playing? And I'd say, yes. And they'd say, I don't want to play if they're playing. And that happened far too often. So we had to kind of step aside from them out of the league and get them back um, to a point where they could fulfill the mission. And until they got to that point, they, they couldn't really be a part of the league. And, and that's tough because everyone that I've had to do that with are people that I was friends with or definitely had a connection with. And it can't be personal. It's got to be about the mission. And that is to try to make a safe place for gay people to come and feel welcome and feel um, a part of this family. Good. So when when you talk about leadership, because that's basically what you're talking about right now, what would you say are some of the best qualities? Give me three that you need to see in a leader. I think first and foremost, it's servanthood. I mean, you are a servant first and foremost. And anyone that tries to step into a leadership role thinking that you're the big cheese now, you're the one that's going to bark out orders and, you know, make people do what you want them to do. It's not what it's about. It's about serving. You're behind the scenes. It's a thankless job, as you know, and anybody who's been on a board, no one cares what you've done. (laughs) No one cares what you've done to make things happen. It just better be damn good. That's all they care about. And everyone's got all these comments about how it could be better and about push come to shove you got to be the servant. So listen, you got to listen to what people are saying and you have to try to implement as best you can to fulfill the mission and listen to everybody as, you know, as much as you can, you can't please everybody, but you just try to do the best you can. So being a servant and being a good listener, which I kind of alluded to, you got to listen to people and be able to be humble is probably my third thing. Um, I, I might have some great ideas of what I want to do, and even being the commissioner in Houston, I've I've had things that I wanted to, to implement, things that, that I wanted to do, and the rest of the board didn't want to do that. So I had to humble myself and say, okay, well, maybe they have a better plan, and so we'll try their plan. Just get outvoted. So you have to be humble, and now it's our decision as a board, even though it wasn't my decision, but I have to be humble and be able to, to present that united front. About this servant thing, we'll talk about that privately behind the scenes, but I'm interested in talking about that with you more. Um, no, no, so no. Yeah, this we'll, is just we'll about the leadership on the board. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. But just know it, it's on my to-do list. So when, when we think about leaders, when we're talking about leaders, what's your advice to people interested in leadership roles but maybe a little nervous about doing so? Um, Well, I would say that try to find something that you feel comfortable and passionate about. 
if there's an aspect of the board of whatever you're trying to be a part, whichever league you're trying to be to be a part of, find something that you you can do that you think you're good at or that you can offer. For instance, if you're really good with, you know, the websites, you can just come on and be a part of building websites because that's an important part. You know, that's the first thing a lot of mm-hmm. people see. You hand them a card at a bar and they go to the website and they check it out. So if, you, if you're really good at developing that, you know, do that and do that well. And don't feel like you have to do everything and be a part of everything, but just find your niche, find some place where you can be um, used and and use your talents to, to do that, to do what needs to be done. The other thing is, you know, it might not just be that sort of talent, but if you have a heart, we have somebody on our board who's kind of quiet, um, but she's our women's liaison, and she really has a strong heart to do it. She really wants to do a good job, and she's very passionate about it. And she'll quietly say, hey, let's do this. You know, she's not going to be the one, you know, knocking down every door, you know, talking to everybody. But she does, you know, come up with good ideas, and she'll, you know, do what she needs to do. Okay. So that that's that's actually great advice. I actually want to ask you another advice question because we talked about this. Well, I talked about it at the top of the show where – you are not only a former player, a, a, former, a former and current city leader, but you're also a referee on the local and national level. How do you balance that? Because I know lots of leagues have issues with balancing, you know, referees or players or board members. How do you strike that balance in being a, a solid and quality referee and not let it interfere with everything else, friendships, football. How do you do that? I just ultimately I say, you know, WWLD, what would Lance do? And that's my what would I live by. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, great, I see that. A great mantra. <laughs> I mean, I see that sort of kiddingly, but I really do have a lot of respect for him and how he handles himself. Lance and is fantastic. Especially in. Yeah, especially in a referee setting. I mean, I don't think there's any other that really understands the game, understands the nuances of player relationships, and can really know how to handle things. I just really try to to do my best to um, just think about being fair, being honest, being you know, being open with communication and really explaining things. I think that really helps a ton on the field, especially as a referee if you can explain why things happened the way they did, why the call was made. So you get new players in there and they don't really understand. They might know you as, you know, they might know me as the commissioner. So they might be a little intimidated if anybody can believe that anybody's intimidated by me. But <laughs> it I does Not me. It's not me. <laughs> just with the title, people say, oh, he's the commissioner. But, you know, if they make a mistake or something, I'll just walk up and be like, hey, you know, here's what you did wrong, you know, try this, or before I throw a penalty flag, I'll just go give them a warning and explain, you know, maybe they didn't know the rule that well. Um, so just try to explain things in, in a firm but, you know, friendly voice and just help them to see that. Um, but there's a – it is a it is a balancing act to play, um, to, to wear all those hats and try to do what I can. But I just try to be as encouraging – try to listen as much as I can, but still give um, firm firm calls and just be yes. confident in my answers. And... 
that it's the best thing you can do. Is I, you know, we, we, you know, and any of the listeners who know me know that I'm also a national referee, and it, it is difficult. And Lance does a fantastic job at training us. So big shout out to Lance. We love you, Mister Handsome yes. Burridge. Uh, so you know, thank you for your tutelage because you have allowed us to blossom and expand what we do. Um, and speaking of expansion, what? advice would you have, if any, for people who are in your position or something similar where they are looking to create a league? Because as you see, the NGFFL is growing so much. We have in the last year, we've expanded four additional cities. So I'm sure, and I'm hoping this will reach people who are listening. So what's your advice to those people looking to do something like you have in Houston or in Michigan with creating a league? The one thing I'll say, and I, and I think Ryan said the same thing when, when I listened to his um, podcast with you, is don't worry we about you, being Ryan. huge. We love you, Ryan. We do. Uh, don't worry about being huge right off the bat. You know, I'm not shooting for 16 teams. We're going to, you know, you know, you see Boston and you see D.C. and you see these other, team, other leagues that have really been around for a while. Um, and they have all these teams in Boston. I was talking to the referees in Florida. They said they sell out their whole league and, like, six minutes or something ridiculous it's like, it's like come on um so you don't oh, have to try I to wish. do that <laughs> yeah um but you just try to try to do what you can you know we have four teams in houston we've had four teams in michigan um before but we had four good teams we had people that wanted to be there had a great experience um the league here in houston we had to take a step back because we were getting sort of away from our mission um, so when I ran as commissioner, that was the one thing I want, I, I ran on my main, um, focus, my main platform was to try to be, get back to our mission. We are here to serve the LGBTQ community and we want to make it a place where people can come and have a good time and, you know, have that friendly competition, you know, do the social events. Um, yeah, we play football too, you know. And I think we've done that. We went from eight teams to four teams in that process. Uh, we lost a lot of straight players, um, which, you know, I, there's some really great straight allies here in Houston and Michigan and across the NGFFL, yeah. some great straight allies yeah. that are really, really helpful. They understand the mission. Um, a couple of our captains here in, in Houston are some of the best we have at really trying to, to fulfill our mission. Um, but then there's some other guys that are just looking to play football and they get their attitudes and they don't come to any social events. They don't try to branch out. They, they bring people, but everybody they bring is straight and they don't really care about the mission. And some of those guys aren't in the league anymore. And I'm okay with that. I'd rather take that step back and have fewer players, but have it be a better experience. I always say a better product on the field. You know, what product are we putting out there that people are coming, they're investing money in. You know, I used to say that. I've heard yeah. you say it. You know, I'm oh, yeah. I'm giving, I'm paying money to be a part of this. This is my leisure time. Yeah. This is my fun. Exactly. And if I'm not having fun, I don't want to be a part of it. I got other exactly. things. Especially as expensive as it is. Yes, cleats are yeah. not cheap, especially if you want them to be cute. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, my mantra used to be before I met you and during our time, you know, in Houston, we used to have so much fun. We used to say our drinking league had a football problem because we were having <laughs> right. so much fun that we forgot it was about football sometimes. 
So, yeah. you know, I, I love that Houston is getting back to that. I love that places like Phoenix are getting back to that. Uh, D.C. is going through those sort of changes. You know, there are all these cities that are really starting to focus on, hey, yes, we're supposed to be competitive. Yes, we're supposed to send our best teams to Gay Bowl and to Pry Bowl. Yes, we want to have a, a kick-butt league, but we also – want people to have fun. We want people to enjoy this. And so it's great to hear you say that. It's great to know that that is where Houston is headed. So I want to wrap up, but before I wrap up, are there any closing thoughts from you that you think the listeners should hear that I have not already covered? Um, One thing I just really wanted to say is that the NGFFL has been just so important and it's so important to me it's so important to you i know um and a lot of people that are listening and maybe they don't really understand why and i just wanted to talk just about for me why it's so important i mean it was when i found the NFL, i was in a place where i like i said i didn't really feel like i fit in anywhere in the gay world and i found a place where i could have this friendly camaraderie and i had a family i had a family in michigan we, uh, th- those were my friends. Those were the ones I hung out with. Mostly were the football guys. When, I'm, when we moved to Houston, most of the guys I hung out with were the football guys. And I go to these national tournaments and um, met some great people that I consider some good friends and and their family. This is my family. They're, and I joined the referee club, and the zebra, the zebra gang is awesome. And there's a, that's another family I built. My first crush. Team first Dazzle. straight crush, I should say. <laughs> My first straight crush, Marvin from Washington, <laughs> um, the first guy I ever hit on at a, at a, gay, at a um, pride bowl, actually. Um, but it turned out to be a great guy. He's just my little straight allies, just, just wonderful people. Just, just, I just met so yes. many people and just Shout out want to encourage Shana. people. We love you, too. Yes, we love you, Shauna. Um, <laughs> that's his wife. Um, <clears throat> yes. But, yeah, just if you're building the league and just, just make sure that you, you – capitalize on that family atmosphere and that fun um, because that's that's what it's all about making help making sure people feel welcome and feel a part of the community and feel loved, and feel loved. Yes. Yes. all right well thank you so much for joining us dr chad porter fisher on outside the huddle so uh this will be released very, very shortly on YouTube, Facebook. So for all of you listening, please uh, leave comments on our YouTube page. Please uh, recommend people for this uh, podcast. Please become a part of what we're doing here because uh, these conversations are important. I think they help push the league forward. It helps show people how you can do things, what you can do, and, you know, it shows the love that all of the people have for the NGFFL and why. So please make sure you're a part of uh, future episodes, suggest people, or, you know, call me, email me, send me a text message, whatever, to be a part of the show. So thank you once again to Dr. Chad Fisher. Thank you to all of you who are listening to the podcast. And until next time that we meet, be kind to yourself and be kind to all the others you encounter as you compete, connect, and unite in the NGFFL. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.